podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A fabulous free kick from Leighton Baines. Dearson, hey, what a finish from Ben Dearson. It's 2 0. It's scored by Tim Cahill in injury time for Everton. Matheson, the 16 year old, to Wilbraham, the 40 year old. Stunning from Hamis Rodriguez. And here, into Henderson! Welcome everybody to the Men in Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Greg. I'm a Rochdale supporter. We've got quite a few guests on this uh, this episode. The first episode of 2022, which it still seems bizarre because I still feel like I'm in 2019. I feel like I've missed a few years because of COVID. Uh, we've got our two resident Everton fans, Jimmy and Matt. How you doing, lads? You okay? Good, mate. All good, mate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it happened, didn't it? Uh, I think all I will say is, if you go back and listen to certain podcasts... I told you, what did I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Because I told you, mm-hmm. And when did I tell you? A long time ago. And what did I say will happen when I told you? Exactly what just happened. Precisely. And that's my bit on Rafa. How long have you had that lined up for? <laughs> About three hours. <laughs> About three hours. Thought so. Thought so. I mean, I'll, I'll try and keep that in the pod. I don't know if we're legally allowed to, but I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, we've also got two guests with us this episode. We've got Declan, uh, Tramway fan. How you doing, pal? You okay? Yeah, all good. Uh, very happy, obviously, after uh, Saturday's three-pointer against Rochdale. Um, not not to throw the chat amongst the pigeons too early on, but yeah, quite happy. Super. We've also got Mark again from uh, last well Christmas recordings, if you will. How you doing? How you doing, Mark? You okay, Dale fan? Yeah, not bad, mate. Uh, not quite as happy about the result on Saturday, but never mind. I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. But we'll we'll definitely uh, dive into Tramway Rochdale review uh, shortly. But I think there's a the main headline of, of the week is uh, that Everton have uh, sacked Rafael Benitez. Um, I think we're just going to go straight to that one first to Matt and Jimmy. Um, as you said before, Jim, that it seems like it was on the cards for a, a, a while. Obviously, you look at the fixtures, look at the run. You could put Arsenal aside and probably isolate that game. But there's quite a few games there that, well. Pretty much, they weren't good enough, were they? Um, so, is it fair to say it was coming? I'm sure it was. I'm going to start off in by being actually fair in some slight defence of Rafa, in that he put out in his statement that there were injuries to contend with, and that the job was bigger than he thought it, it was when he first came in. He's got to undo how many years of, you know, poor recruitment. And with that, I say, yeah, I, I get your point. Um, and I do, in a way, not feel for him, obviously, but I do think that he was dealt a difficult hand with the financial restrictions because of previous regimes, poor spending, and obviously the injuries to Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, amongst others, um, certain COVID cases. And I, I think he has had more to deal with as a manager at Everton than previous managers have, but be that as it may, it's largely forgotten that Ancelotti, not that he was brilliant, but had this challenge in for Europe at this time last season. Okay, it all fell off the second half of the year. But 
with the squad of players he has. And Guillaume Balagay is, is Rafa's best mate, it seems, came on. He was like, oh, he's never given a fair chance and all that. Look at the last 13 games. Look at the players Rafa's had available to him. We should have had enough to, with the great respect to Norwich, they've been absolute bottom feeders of the Premier League this season. They've been atrocious. We should have had enough to have at least got a point, if not beaten Norwich, on the day. But we never looked like it at all. And that doesn't just go for Norwich. The Norwich game might go for so many games. You know, going way back to Watford, you know, where Matt and I had the absolute unfortunate um, thing of being there for that game. And, yeah, just... I see what you mean when people say about, oh, he's not been given a fair chance. Well, he has. He's had six months and a strong enough squad. And, sorry, six points at the last 39. Who don't care if you're Rafael Benitez, Pep Guardiola or Keith Hill. It's not good enough. It's absolutely not good enough. Uh, I have pretty much the same sentiment. I get his point of view. I get his statement saying he's trying to undo five years of you know, some pretty terrible ownership. At the end of the day, your job is there to win football matches, and we haven't looked like winning. Even you mentioned the Arsenal game, we weren't that great at the Arsenal game. It took a Damari Gray absolute stormer in the last minute. They should have got at least a point out of us in that game. They had chances to hit the post and all sorts. It's a strange one because there's an air of, <laughs> yeah, okay, we've sacked another one, but we knew it was going to happen anyway. It's not as if we were sat there going, "This is the one, Braff is going to take us to you know to glory." We all knew it was going to happen. It was like, like I said, we've said ages ago, this is all going to go terribly wrong. Because unless he was perfect, unless he was spot on, every game we'll, you know, it might not win every game, fair enough, but every game you perform in, every game you're turning up, fans were just never good, some fans, I should say even, were just never going to accept him. And he hasn't helped himself because he's come across arrogant. There's a whole situation with Lucas Dean. that we just look an absolute mess. And he is, I agree, not the sole. Um, issue, but God, he hasn't helped himself, and they've got a big job now finding out who goes in next. Because who'd want that job at the moment? I don't know. I wouldn't want it as a manager. Best way I can put it. I think your point that I was going to mention, Matt, is that he's come in with a certain mentality, which and there's a history of Benitez um, at Real Madrid, at Inter Milan, in his latter years at Liverpool. Um, probably also in Newcastle and in Dalian in China, of upsetting people. He will do things his way and be very headstrong, and that's fine if you can back it up. But if you're upsetting senior pros, if you're upsetting people at the club that you need to work for you, you know, then it's all going to go horribly wrong. And I think it's really, really telling. If you canvass the players on social media, how many of them have thanked him on social media? I know it's that's a small snapshot. Townsend's put something up saying thanks for bringing him in, boss. But to be fair, he signed Townsend on a three from Crystal Palace. He's he's been very good, don't get me wrong. But to jump out of, on a three from Crystal Palace to come to Everton, you know, you'd think he'd ask me, oh, he's going to go, you know, Championship or lower end Premier League. Which okay, he's gone lower end Premier League now, judging by where we are. But in terms of you know Crystal Palace, Everton, it's 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 a good move for him. So obviously he's going to thank Benitez, but I don't think I don't think anyone else at the club has put out a statement, including the club themselves. It was just like, we've sacked Rafa Benitez. Literally, that was pretty much it. Sounds of it. There was no well wishes, no thanks for his efforts. Even Ancelotti got, you know, a, we thank you, you know, and, and wish you the best in your future career, even though he dipped us off for Real Madrid. You know, Marco Silva got a good look on your future endeavours, and he was awful. 
So I think it's really telling that he has upset a lot of people at the club in a short space of time. And it's not the first time he's done it. A lot of Blues weren't ever going to get behind Rafa. Some because of his Liverpool connections, which I think is tragic. And that's a reflection on the supporters more than it is of the manager. But some, like myself, were never going to get behind it because he's outdated. His tactics are at least 15 years out of date. And you can't... Football's moved on. It's like Mourinho. It's like so many managers now where... Being the big sort of I am in the dressing room and, and dictating to players isn't going to work. Player power is stronger than ever, as we've seen with the likes of Lucas Dean, who's now, you know, bogged off to Aston Villa. Fair play, you know. It's it's it was just never a good fit. I'm more intrigued to hear about it from an outside perspective because for the past six months, it's not been good for him. I mean, not well, say six months, but the past 27 years, it hasn't been great for him being Everton supporter, but. I'm always intrigued to hear about it because you always wonder, are we being overdramatic? Are we being you know, completely ridiculous that we've got this manager in who, yes, has got a history, but are we wishing for too much? And I think at times it's a worry that we're not appreciative of what we've actually got as, as fans, but it has been torrid to watch. And I hope that we're not looked on as being ridiculous fans for wanting him out so quickly. I know it lasts in six months, but that's open to the floor to you guys. Sorry, Mike, I just interject as a little thing just before we move on to other people. I saw far more heart and more spirit in two sides on Saturday in the Tramia Rochdale game. Not trying to blow smoke up anyone's arse here, but saw more fight, more desire, and more ability in a League 2 fixture between Tramia and Rochdale than I've seen in Everton for months. And that's three divisions above. So it says a lot. It was far more enjoyable watching the Rovers Rochdale game than any Everton game I've watched for a long, long time now. Mate, if you thought that was good, you should have seen the Newport game. <laughs> I was going to say that was uh, we don't smash a lot of teams like like we don't smash a lot of teams, but we smash Newport. <laughs> but um, yeah, just to um, just to keep going with the Rafa thing, uh, I, what I'll try and get Mark and Dex's opinion on this as well. Like, it seems like it doesn't matter who you support that everybody sort of saw it coming, but. Um, is, do you think that Everton maybe shouldn't have appointed him, perhaps? Is that something to sort of consider with uh, how Jimmy and Matt have obviously spoke about the sacking? I, I think I asked the question on, on the last episode where I was with you in terms of are they going for the big names rather than maybe not as big a name that's going to come in and do the, the basics well? Um, like has been touched on, the, the player power, the stuff that's going on behind the scenes at Everton by the looks of it. A manager with the calibre of Rafa, admittedly a few years ago, isn't going to be able to come in and run the club top to bottom how he wants straight away. Um, and if he's trying to do that, then maybe first team results and performances aren't going to pick up as quickly. Um, so I, I think the next appointment is probably really, really important for Everton. I've seen the Mourinho links this week. And it's just like, it feels like that's another Benitez. Um, I think that would be the fifth Premier League club that he would have managed, probably the fifth Premier League club that he's been sacked from. Um, you, you look at where he's going with all his previous clubs, saying the players are mentally weak and that he's, he's trotting the same thing out every time. I'm not convinced a big name like that is going to be right for Everton next. Um, the name that I keep landing on, and it's not a particularly sexy one, is Sean Dyche. Um 
it, it genuinely looks like he's taken Burnley as far as he can. He'd go in and you can imagine him and Duncan Ferguson together in the dressing room. If nothing else, they're going to be up for it for the rest of the season. Think of the accents. Can you imagine the foreign players trying to get a word in? My God, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> you could do one of them documentaries on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm not a, I'm not a big follower of Premiership football, um, as you, you probably gathered at the weekend. But just you know, from speaking to friends and so on and so forth who are Blues and I'm red to like, I think. It was kind of a not a poison chalice at the start, I suppose, for him because obviously you know he was he was appointed um, with with the view of him you know really improving the club. But Everton are a, they're a big club anyway, and they've got an awful lot going on off the pitch um, in a in a positive light in terms of the stadium move and so on and so forth. And it almost looks to me, and this has happened at our level, it's happened at our club a number of times where you kind of think, what is the what's the priority here? Is the priority the infrastructure, the stadium, you know, training grounds and so on and so forth and getting revenue in that way. Um, or is is the you know the priority the, the football that we're seeing on a on a weekly basis. And just from some of the things there that you know Matt and, and Jimmy have been saying, um, it kinda reminisced a little bit with me in terms of Keith Hill's appointment with us. I know we spoke briefly on Saturday about this at, at the Tramway Rochdale game that when he was appointed it was almost a poison chalice for him from the start as well. Um you know, he he came in and he was getting results, but you've also got to look at the fact that when he came in, you know, we were on a, a very good upward trend. I think we'd won six or seven on the bounce under the caretaker um, regime, and you know, he he comes in. He's a you know a lad from Bolton, which obviously for Tranmere fans isn't going to go down particularly well. In a similar light to you know the Evertonians, obviously not wanting the next Liverpool player in charge. Um, at their club, that kind of secret agent, kind of you know, vicious rumor and so on and so forth, um, and it, it's that kind of you know Keith Hill did a, a similar thing with us, whereby you know he started to blame everybody else around him, bar his own tactics. Um, and from from what you're saying there with Rafa in terms of him being very kind of fixed in his his mindset or fixed in terms of you know tactics or approaches to games publicly out and players saying that it's not good enough and so on and so forth. It was kind of a, as we were saying again on, on Saturday when Keith Hill was sacked, I don't think it was a thing of that the club thought that he wasn't capable enough or able enough to see us through the playoffs, but also that kind of fan toxic, uh, toxicity. Um, obviously the fans would have been in for the playoff games and I think it was that kind of decision from the chair that his, his position was untangible and I think it's a similar position now with Everton. Obviously Rafa has been on a, a terrible run of games but it's also then to the point where you know fans starting to walk out of fixtures and so on that you know it's going to start impacting on, on things off the pitch as well. I think there's a bit as well, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think uh, Benitez was first choice for that appointment at Everton. Um, and the trouble you get with the amount of coverage you get now in terms of pundits, the in-the-know people on social media who aren't in-the-know, they've just heard it from a pundit and then say they're in-the-know. And you get all these names of first choice, second choice, third choice, Benitez. It was the same at Spurs when Santo went in. You had like first choice, second choice, third choice. The players at that point know that the manager doesn't have the full backing of the club because he wasn't first choice. So they've instantly got something on him. The fans are going to query why they couldn't get first, second or third choice and know that they've ended up compromising with who they've got. And any goodwill or a little bit of leniency when things aren't going well, 
you've lost it because if you're not even first choice for the people that are appointing you, why should the people who are effectively paying you wages give you the time? Um, and I do think that plays into a lot of these shorter stints that you're seeing now with, with managers at clubs. I mean, the way I look at it is the ex-Liverpool situation. All right, yeah, he won Champions League with them well, 15, maybe 15, 16 years ago. The Liverpool thing didn't really matter because in a, let's say hypothetically, we had got Jurgen Klopp in in a weird turn of events. Klopp had turned, got the job at Everton. Well, he's got the managerial prowess to already get most of the fans to go, all right, he's from Liverpool, but he's won something. He's done it recently. He plays good attacking football. He's got that element of passion with the fans where he gets everyone on board and he gets the whole club united. And that is exactly what we need. We've got such a split fan base. You've got everyone infighting with each other. You've got the whole 27 years campaign going on. They need someone to come in and we can probably go on to this later on, but my choice would be give it to Ferguson to the end of the season at this point because there's no one really out there that's just jumping out at me who's going to come in and you know give us that big impetus. There's been names running around. Rooney is a really, really interesting child, but his time is not now. Um, I don't want Frank Lampard. I really, really don't want Mourinho for so many reasons. Um, but it's where'd you where'd you go? We've, we've tried everything at this point. Give it to the guys. Maybe, all right, he's been sat there for however many years in, in a backroom staff elements. But he's learned from those people. I mean, I found myself the other day. I agree with Sam Allardyce. That's how bad this situation has got. Allardyce came out and said that he should give it to Ferguson. I'm sat there going, bloody hell, Sam, you're spot on. What the hell's this? What has what, what my life become that I'm agreeing with Sam Allardyce? As long as you don't get him back. Oh, well, well I was going to say we're not that stupid, but there was talks of Martinez coming back, so yeah, what do I know? Just out of interest, obviously, Mark touched on something to do with Rafa wasn't um, first choice, possibly. Who were in, who was in the running? I can't remember who was who was the names that were being being there. I know um, in the summer, Santo was was linked in the summer, um, but he was linked with both those and Tottenham about sixth choice at Spurs and went there, and we know what happened there. He was the one that was standing out for me really in the summer. Graham Potter was linked. Why Graham Potter would leave Brighton's come to us at the moment is is anyone's guess. It's a sad indictment of the football club that you know with the greatest respect to Brighton and Herb Albion. That they're a well-run club, they're a really well-run club, and why you won't leave one of the best-run clubs in the country to one of the worst-run clubs is absolutely beyond me. But Santo seems to be the one the board wanted, which again I don't quite know why, because he'd done all right with Wolves, but he was nothing special. He just left Wolves because he just needed a break, and then we saw it happen with Tottenham. Um, I think the club were just kind of muddling round in the summer because Ancelotti had left in the lurch a bit, and they were like, "Oh, we weren't expecting this. What do we do now, lads?" And just kind of found a name that they could just put in the manager's hot seat before the start of the season. It took them that long to recruit a new manager. Because I don't think they were honestly expecting to be in that process. Um, at least now, there's going to be... And I think I was watching um, James Lawrence Alcott on YouTube, QPR fan, good EFL, um, sort of pundit. And he basically echoed what Matt has pointed out. Is it give Ferguson and Baines the time to the end of the season... But be smart, be cute, sound out a manager between now and the end of the season. Go for somebody young, go for somebody who's up and coming. You know, don't just go for the established old name because we've tried so many of them. Doesn't work. A young British manager or an older British manager like Dyche, I'd love actually personally. 
but someone now who's going to be able to go in and we can build for a few years with the way that we've just none of the managers that we've had you've felt oh we can get a good five to ten years at this manager because they've always felt like short-term fixes even you know the likes of silver who was flavor of the month it's gonna go isn't it but um in terms of summer yeah i think it was mostly santo they wanted and that beats me as to why We've we've had the name Sean Dice jump around a few times on the podcast or things like that. Do you think there's a possibility that you could actually go for him in January, or is that out the question? You think? Do you think, like Mark mentioned before, that he sort of took Burnley as far as he can? It seems that way anyway. I'm not. I don't watch a right lot of Burnley to be honest to say that, but a few people have speculated that. Do you think you, that's something? Could you could you go for a, Sean Dice in January, or is that out the question? Do you reckon? I think it's out of the question for January. I don't... Well, I say out of the question. I don't see... The, well, this is the strange thing, is that you, you start trying to think about this logically, and then you realise that Everton's board are anything but logical. So we probably will go for him in January, so who knows. Um, I think they should wait till the end of the season. It just makes sense. It just makes absolute sense to get a man in who's going to give you that short-term boost, who's going to give the fans... So much about. I mean, it makes me laugh. Oh, we've gone from the game on Saturday against Villa being this game that everyone's dreading because of the return of Gerrard, the return of Coutinho, Lucas Dean's coming back, to now there's fans scrambling for tickets because Ferguson and Leighton Baines in the dugout. And this is elements of, well, we've got Doug Ferguson against Stephen Gerrard in the dugout, which is going to be brilliant. And I agree, it's going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, there could be fights, who knows? And I think this is the whole point. There, there has to be an element now where. Ken Wright has got to stop his weird obsession for Roberto Martinez. He's got to, they've got to stop with the, I agree, the flavours of the month. You know, getting these managers in that have not done much in recent times, but are a name, and just take the time with this. You've got, you know, the squad is good enough that with half decent management in Ferguson, we'll stay up comfortably. We're not going to get you know anywhere near to, you know, European places, but we should be fine. Um, and take your time with it. Just take time get the right guy at the end of it all because we're, we're crying out for someone to come in and give us three years of building a team up of getting the right players in getting the right type of, type of player in uh, and hopefully get a bit of success out of it but who knows what's going to happen with us at the moment anything could happen I also some... don't think oh, go on, sorry Mark sorry I was going to say I don't think Sean Dyche would come in January to be honest um, I think he's um, I think he values his integrity quite a lot. And I think even if Burnley go down, he would go down with the ship. Um, I think he wouldn't want to be seen as someone who leaves during a difficult patch, unless it came out that Everton had paid stupid compensation to Burnley to give him a shot of bouncing straight back up. I think he would, similar to the Rogers rumour with United, um, I think he would say, I will come in summer, but I need to see this through with Burnley first. I think he's that sort of bloke. No, sorry, Mark, I entirely um, echo what you're going to say then with Daesh, is that I think, yeah, uh, regardless of whether Burnley stay up or go down, he's going to want to see him till the end of the season, at least. If Burnley do go down, which, you know, I can see us then going for Daesh, if Burnley stay up, why would he move? If he's got a job for later, Burnley, if he keeps him in the Premier League, whereas with us, he might have a job for like five minutes, depending on how things start. Um, but obviously, I think he'd be a brilliant appointment 
And I think he deserves a chance at, uh, with the great respect to Burnley, a bigger club, a bigger project, um, especially with the new stadium in mind and things like that. But we'll see. It does depend on, you know, he is, like you say, a man of integrity. It depends on what Burnley do to him now in the end of the season. Depends what we do. We might not fancy a championship stint with us next season to see how things are going now. Who knows? Just, just, just something I've just thought of. Obviously, we're talking about Rafa, and in terms of he's not been able to get the results. Is is there a blame? Could you point a blame to the players as well? I know in the modern modern era that a lot of managers get the flack and everything. You know, comes down to the manager and his formations and things like that and his tactics. It's all down to the manager. Is there a point where you, with Everton that do you look at the players and go? He should be performing better. Obviously, it's you know it's a it's a squad and it's the team and everybody's pulling you know in in Rafa's direction. It would seem or, or the were even. Can you blame the players for this uh, recent run? Poor run, I should have said. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's <laughs> go on, Mark. Go on, Mark. So I was going to say, I think it's it. It's a different situation at Everton, right? So um, I look back to, just going back to Rochdale for a second with BBM, I don't think you could blame the players. It was clearly BBM. He'd been involved for a long time. A lot of it was his players, his tactics, his way of playing, his culture. Everything was around BBM. So it, it was right that he took the blame. Benitez has inherited an absolute clusterfuck of a squad from various managers over the past few years who've been recruited to play different styles and different ways at different times, probably on different wages. It's not cohesive. Um, but they should have played better, I think, than they did for Benitez. I think they see getting rid of a manager at Everton as an easy way out of a situation. Um if each of those players had given an extra 10%, which I think most of them could do from the games I'd seen, they wouldn't be where they are, and Benitez would probably still be there. Yeah, no, I, just to echo really what Mark was saying there, I think, um, as you were saying, Benitez has he's inherited a, a bit of a, a mix-matched um, squad, which obviously, you know, at a top-tier level, it, you know, your big, big, um, you know, Differences between the likes of Everton and even clubs around them, really. I mean, if you look at the the kind of investment now that Newcastle have got, I'm just looking at the league table. So, Everton are on 19 games, 19 points. Newcastle 20 games, 12 points. So, all right, they've you know they've got a game in hand on them, but there are teams you know below them. If Burnley go on a, on a little bit of a run there with with their games in hand, they've got two games in hand on Everton. You know that can bring them within within touching distance as well. And I think it's key that. Um, you know, as you as you were saying, whoever does come in, and I think the likes of Ferguson maybe a little bit of a kind of an unconventional old style, you know, military esque even um, kind of manager, regardless of what kind of squad they've got to work with. I think they will get the best out of that group of players, and I think that that is ultimately what is needed. As you were saying, you know, the likes of um, Dice and so on would kind of be a a good long term appointment. And as you say, he's a man of his word. He's quite loyal, loyal to his club, and I don't think he'll leave in January. But going back to the point that you were making in terms of the players, um, whether or not they've been given it, they're all for Benitez. I think managers, and this isn't defending Benitez particularly, but just in general, I think managers are becoming scapegoats, and I think that happens from you kind of you know just above Sunday league. So you, you know you, you kind of um, 
you know, below your Vanaramas and so on. But that kind of in between, as soon as as soon as teams don't want a few, you know, uh, a run of a few bad results, um, it is always the manager that you hear being called for. Even the likes of, I mean, if, if you look at our kind of mid mid spell in the season, we were on a bit of a, a da- not a downward spiral, but we were on a poor run of form. Um, and you know you could argue in terms of personnel and so on and so forth but you know there were people on social media calling for, for our manager to be sacked and you know you're looking at it now 10-12 games later on the tide's completely turned and, and you know we're, we're very much on the upward trend and I think fans at times can be a little bit impatient and so on I almost use the the, uh, the band term fickle there um, but fans can be a little bit impatient at times and I think um you know, it, it's really, really important that we see that at the end of the day, the manager is just the frontman, um, and that the players. I think the players do need to be a little bit more accountable. I think they are protected a little bit too much in some ways from the clubs, and I think that this, you know, as the Premiership grows bigger and bigger and becomes more of a kind of elite organisation, I can only see that going one way, um, and almost that the players have the the power almost over the manager, um, whether it be how they perform or whether it be the kind of things that they're saying to the press, the players are very, very aware of what you know, what 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 benefits the manager and what doesn't. Um, whether it be how they're performing, the, the kind of comments that they're saying post match, the things that they're putting out on social media, um, and I think you know, being an outsider almost to that situation, that's a, maybe a little bit clearer to see than, than for somebody who's kind of you know looking at that every weekend and watching, as you were saying before, the very poor performances week in week out. I think it's an interesting one. Just touched on the table, looking at it now. I think, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of Premier League but tends to try and keep abreast of what's going on, I think it's probably Norwich and Watford. I would say are two certs to go down. Um, I don't see Newcastle going down. I think with the business they're doing and and what they're going to do there, I think they'll be fine. So I think you're looking at Norwich and Watford, and then one of. Burnley, Everton, or Leeds to fill that that third space. So it's almost a mini league that I think Everton are going to be in now, where they need to finish first or second out of that group of three to stay in the Prem. But I think it's going to be tight. It's also been quite an odd season because the table's not completely representative of what is actually going on. Because I mean, Leeds are one of the sides that are so up and down. They had a great win on uh, at West Ham on Sunday, wasn't it? I think. And West Ham moves everyone's overachievers this season. Gosh, I think a couple of wins in it. I think you, you're clear with that that real drop. Any, anyone can get drop, dragged into it from that sort of probably bottom eight all the way down. Um, but I mean, back on the whole manager thing. I mean, I agree that the players have, have got to take some responsibility for it, and I'm sure they will do to a certain extent this week. Um, but. If, to go, to, not to go with the players, also to give an argument for the players, the way they've been set up, especially away from home, when I mean the, the whole city game, for example, in the cup, we were kind of lucky to get through that. Um, three two, and I said for minute ten, it was like I'm sat there going, we need an extra man in midfield, and it didn't happen. I think it was extra time, and he sat there going, so how could I see this? And I'm watching it home on telly, and you've been watching these players all week and not one of you has figured out or the manager hasn't put it forward that an extra man in midfield is necessary I, it, the whole thing baffled me and it's yeah it was just a, a mess the whole six months and hopefully it improves um, I think as well you know we're, we're talking about that kind of temporary manager and, and someone who's going to come in and have 
Um, obviously the fans and the club want an immediate effect if you look at Everton's next couple of fixtures take the Brentford game out which is the FA Cup obviously Villa on Saturday who at the minute are in and around them um, obviously you know you, you would be expecting them to start to pull away now with some of the, the transfer business that they've already done um, and some of the, the names that are being circulated and with, with Gerard and the dugout as well he's he will steer, steer them to kind of a mid-table finish you've then got your, your FA Cup break and then you've got Newcastle away and Leeds at home so if you look at those next three league games, you know, if Everton can can get six, seven points, you know, nine points in, in Dreamland for them, but you know, a realistic six or seven points from those games, that that is is really standing them in good stead, you know, in terms of that mini league that, that we were referring to before. If you get somebody in, um or you know, the, the club take too long to, to get someone in who's just gonna have a short term immediate impact. You know that the season could be lost within those fixtures. I mean, there's no such thing as an easy fixture in in any division, let alone the Premiership. But you know, you, you look later on in that fixture list that at home to City, away to Tottenham, Wolves won't be easy. Watford obviously is is a winnable game. West Ham away, United at home, and then towards the tail end of the season, you know, your Liverpool's, Chelsea's, Leicester's, um, and Arsenal obviously on the last game of the season. So it it's it's really really key for for Everton that they get it right. You know, I'd say within the space of the next three or four days really um, obviously you'll have Ferguson there as your, your caretaker in the dugout on Saturday but after that I think they, they have to have somebody in you know early on next week at, at the very latest in order to steer them through those those few really key games I think that's a very that's a valid point that um, just touching on something in with Ferguson um, yeah, will, will the board let him sign players in January is that something that they'll let him do if he's sort of temp? I mean, they do. I'm, I'm assuming they need to freshen up the squad. I mean, obviously, I'm not too privy on what's going on in terms of squad depth and who's, who's playing and who's not. Is that something, Jimmy, that they might let Duncan get a few players in or not? I think the big question is can we afford to bring players in um, with FFP regulations and things like that? Um, but say for example we've got the junior money say for example we've got other money that we've found behind the back of the couch or something that the Shearer's pulled out of nowhere I'm not sure they'd be willing to let Duncan Ferguson go into a negotiation room and try and sign players because ultimately it's not going to be him that gets it full time it's going to be somebody else and it's bad enough that we've got players that go back as far as David Moyes. We've got Martinez, Koeman, Silva, Allardyce, Ancelotti, Benitez. Players then throw in some Duncan Ferguson signed players in the mix. And you're just going to have a more confused squad than we've already got. I think he's worked now under a lot of different managements. Um, whether that's a good thing or not, I'm not sure. Bearing in mind, if we say the players have lived through a lot of sackings, and Duncan Ferguson's been there since at least the Martinez era, so he's seen at least five or six managers be sacked from the club or leave the club. So why should it be any different for him than it is for some of the players that have maybe underperformed down the years? He won't. He will know the players inside out, even the new ones, and I think he'll be able to get them more motivated and do what they need to do, but it's going to be so, so crucial, like Dak says, the next few days. Signs are the training pitch, it looks more positive, what he's doing, and it looks more like he's getting them more G'd up, and they're getting far more physical, But which is what we want to see, but then 
when it comes to a game, as we'll see on Saturday lunchtime, will it will it be a case of same old, same old? Or those players ultimately have they got the fight in them? So, but in answer to this question, no, I don't believe the board will give Ferguson the money to spend in January because I don't even know if there's going to be any real money to spend, to be perfectly honest. Gosh. We'll definitely sell to buy. And I don't know who we sell apart from, unless you get some amazing offers for you can't put Louis and Shiver Charles and those kind of players, which we're not going to sell those players in January. Salawobi. He's having a great AFCON. Salawobi is brilliant. Who's, at who least, was going to buy him? At least oh, 80 way, million. Do... At least 80 million uh, no, quid. Uh, <laughs> he's having a great AFCON Cup of Nations, honestly. Honest. I, I haven't seen any of it, but you know. know. 80 million, I'm telling you now. I know we going. haven't planned. I know we haven't planned to talk about the AFCON, but can we shoehorn it in at some point because it's been hilarious. Yeah, it has been Haven't funny. seen oh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've not watched any of it yet, but of course we can. Yeah. But, off topic. It's going to be difficult for Ferguson, possibly. And I know, fair enough, he'll have the, the fans backing, I'm assuming, as a fa- fan favourite and cult hero, legend. He, he's going to get that backing, but if, if he can't, I suppose, in one respect... I, I mean, I suppose when he took over last time, uh, interim uh, caretaker, whatever you want to call it, I'm assuming that they didn't back him then in terms of short term. Uh, when when was it? Just before Ancelotti was he there? Was is that was that what it was? Yeah, between between Silver and Ancelotti, so it would have been oh, December 2019-ish. I know we beat Chelsea, drew United, probably had some other results in there as well. Um, had some really good results, and he was very passionate. But there's only so much that fist pumping and wearing blue wristbands is going to get you in management. To be perfectly honest, I mean. Yeah, I think it's the it's the way it is the, the the way to go. I mean, it'll get the fans back in the stadium. Not that they weren't turning up or anything like that, but I think it'll it'll get on the right side of the fans. Obviously, people will want to go and you know and cheer them on and things like that. Uh, obviously, you're playing Aston Villa at the weekend, and they've got a fairly new manager, Steven Gerrard. Uh, we've mentioned two players you could say in the same generation before Rooney and Lampard. Um, you could say it's it's sort of working. Gerard at the moment with Villa, there's a few you know he's he's, he's got Coutinho he's uh, I think they drew United it's, it's something you can tell what they're trying to achieve. Do you think that wouldn't be possible with someone from the same generation like Rooney and Lampard? Has Gerard got something that they particularly don't have? Well, he's won a league title, which helps him. <laughs> Albeit in Scotland, but still, I mean Gerard. The I went to the United Villa FA Cup tie. Villa were excellent. Villa were the better team and were very, very unlucky not to come away with something. Now, I know it was a cup game so they couldn't come away with a draw but my point being they, they could have at least taken the penalties or something on the, on that route. Um, he's got not say pulling power but he's got the respect of players, Gerard, and he looks like a manager. Um, you see him on the touchline he, he he gets it. He knows exactly what he's doing. And Rooney, I've got to say he's doing an amazing job in, in a derby in, under those circumstances. Um, I just I don't I don't want him to come. I would love for him to come. I just don't think it's the time for him to come to us. I think you only get really one chance to do that and do that right. And his time is now. He's still got his learning to do. He's still got to get his you know experience. Um, Lampard at Chelsea was the same issue. They took they brought him in too early and they had a decent season, but the job was too big for him. And I think that's probably where Rooney sits at the moment. As in, it's just not yet. But I would love for it to happen in the future. But not yet. And at this, at this rate, the, the way we're getting rid of managers could be next year, who knows? Um, obviously, Gerard, Lampard and Rooney we're talking about there. 
we briefly spoke about Martinez before. Um, obviously, he's the coach, head coach of the Belgium national side. Um, is that something that you would entertain, Martinez coming back, or is that something that's you can't keep going no. back to ex-managers no. like? No. Right, that's all right. I think I've got no, no. so don't, many don't, reasons. Don't, but no. Never go, ne- never go back to an ex. Never do it. I mean, except unless it's Mickey Mellon. Or if it's, but that's the only, or, or Keith Hiller, right? Yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah. Present present company excluded. Never go back to an ex. Uh, Mellon and Hill aside. Um, but Martinez, people forget. People now look back with roast into glasses because we came fifth with Moise's defence and Lukaku up front. He has neither of those things at Everton now. And literal protests at the end of games to get him off. Because we were we had terrible. a plane. Oh, we had fact, a we plane. Put, yeah, we literally had banners saying Martinez out. And you can say, oh, we got into Europe and made semi-finals. We were shit. We were shit. We lost to Sunderland 3-0. In his last game. Yeah, that was just And we were... Yeah, I remember watching that going, he's going, he's gone. Every performance would be phenomenal. We could get bummed 5 now. It'd be like, oh, we were phenomenal today. It's like, nah, nah. What game are you watching, Robbie? Because you're not watching our game. I don't care how nice your blue suits and brown brogues are. Get out and don't come back. Go back to Wigan. Go and enjoy yourself at Wigan. They've got a statue of you there, probably. I don't know. But um, go and enjoy yourself there. Go and manage the Belgian team to absolutely no success. Do that, fine. You know, you, it, the thing you can tell Martinez is he came to Everton, he had a full head of hair. By the time he left, his hair had all fallen out. So that's all you need to know. So, I mean, obviously it's the media that do that. The media bounce to old managers or people that have played at the club, things like that. It only seems to work at lower league teams. But why, why do the media... Ins- I mean, obviously, Deck and Mark can agree with uh, Mellon and Hill in, at Dale and Tranmere, but why, why do the media intend on... Throwing these names out from yesteryear, what, what, why did they do? Why did they keep doing that? Yeah, but look at Mellon and Hill. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, we're still talking about it, however many months after it happened. So, sells headlines, doesn't it? Good point. I think that might be. But Mellon and Hill. Imagine like Jimmy going on Twitter having a bit of a rant about the thought of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, correct me if I'm wrong. Neither manager left with the team playing terribly. Mickey Mellon left because he got an option, an offer to go and manage in in the Scottish League. I don't think Keith Hill left with the side, you know, completely on its arse, whereas Martinez did. Yeah, I think that that's a really important point there by Matt as well. I think, you know, as you're saying, when managers do come back and it's successful, um, certainly in the lower leagues, it's often on their agenda as to when they leave. Um, and, I, you know, having, having read quite a lot of what Mellon said, I think when he went up to Scotland, it was very much a thing of him going there to kind of better himself and to improve himself. I think the intention was always to come back. Um, at some stage, I don't think anyone anticipated it being so soon. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, whether that's the case, you know, the higher up you go, especially in the Prem, as you say, quite often these, you know, ex-players, ex-managers and whatnot, um, as you've rightly said there with the likes of Martinez and so on, there's a re- there's a good reason why they've left. Um, and, you know, you know, looking at Everton in particular, there's a good reason why they've gone through so many managers in such a, a short spell that there's clearly an issue with um, with recruitment of managers. I mean, if you look at even at, at us um, since since Palios has come in, so you're looking at what say seven years, eight years. The only appointment that he's got right in my eyes has been Mellon. Um, so managerial appointments are not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I think you've got to look at it from an owner's perspective as well as to you know for every. 
10 players that you sign that are slap bang average you're going to sign one decent player there and I think it's the same with managers you're not just going to come across you know, a proven manager at any level unless you've got you know unlimited money and even then it's not easy um, you know you, you can walk into jobs like the Celtic Rangers and so on where there's only two or three teams in a, in a lead and you can kind of guarantee success but you know in the Prem and you know even down as far as our, our divisions teams are so so similar and the, the standard of play is so so similar I think you know the, it, it's not an easy job to, to recruit a manager who's going to guarantee your success um, with all due respect to Everton if if you're a manager who can guarantee success are Everton going to be top of the, the list that you're going to go to you know you, you, you're not and that, that's no you know disrespect to, to the Evertonians on, on the podcast No, but I think as well going back to the whole point of don't worry, no, fair enough, we agree yeah I wouldn't want to if I was a guaranteed successful manager I wouldn't want to go to Everton right now jeez but um, I think going back to the point about returning managers or returning players going to manage clubs where the media discuss this as well is when you think about the way football operates now and the, the money involved and everything and the way it's become very corporate very business like it's one of the few romantic things we can hang on to people love a good romantic story especially Bill Canwright but right they love a good romantic story in the media and anything like oh the former player comes back to manage or the former manager comes back to his old home you know, there's a reason why as soon as Stephen Gerrard took the Rangers job, it all of a sudden was like, he's going to be Liverpool manager one day. Now, he may well be. He's done a good job at Villa at the moment. But there's a reason why they say it. They don't, you know, because it's the whole sort of returning home type thing. Same with Rooney. The only reason he's linked to the Everton job at the moment is really because he's an ex-Everton player for about five minutes before he went off to United and an ex-Everton fan. It's, it's, if it was, for example, I don't know, um say Chris Shooton was doing a really good job at Derby, which is not impossible, you know, and was keeping them the way they are, he wouldn't be linked to the Everton job right now. He'd be, he'd be saying, oh, what a job he's doing at Derby, but he wouldn't be linked because he's not an ex-Everton man in any way. So I think we sometimes romanticise these things because it's one of the few things we've got left to hang on to that isn't like multi-million pound superstars, all the corporate stuff and betting adverts, you know. We'll just have a few more minutes on Everton and then we'll, we'll crack on with Tranmere Rochdale. Um, but the, uh, I think probably one of the last questions before we, we, we dive into the um, Tranmere Dale game is um, I'm just looking at the, the, the form uh, table in the Premier League at home and away and the, and the entirety of it. And it looks like Everton are in the bottom six for home and away form. It, is relegation a possibility? Is that something that can happen? Uh, I mean, is it Everton that have never been relegated? Is that something? Is that that's correct me if I'm wrong? Uh, uh, we have been relegated, um, but n- but not since 1951, 1952-ish. Um, we've been in the top flight since 1953 continuously. But no, we are not too big, or that phrase "too big" or "too good" to go down. We are neither. You've seen Aston Villa, you've seen Leeds, you've seen Newcastle, you've seen clubs that are considered to be of a similar size to us be relegated and in some cases take years and years to get back. Sheffield Wednesday, Nottingham Forest. Look at these clubs, huge football clubs, you know, Blackburn, that are that are in like the EFL, not abyss obviously, but relatively to where they used to be in. They're, they've not been in the top flight for many, many years and... No, it could it could easily happen to any club if you get things wrong off and on the pitch. 
Also, Greg, when you win one game in 13, you're not really going to be high up in the form table, are you? Oh, no, I was just out of curiosity. I was looking at it because, <laughs> like, I'm a, yeah, that's fair enough. I'm like Mark in terms of I, I usually just stick to. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit's the rest of the league. Imagine if we were in the top 10 for the full time. It's like, God, I'll buzz the rest of the league. Imagine if you feel like Sunday League standard. Everyone's just lost all the games. How do both teams lose <laughs> well, yeah. a match? But I think you, you've you've got something there, Jim. About obviously teams that drop out of the Premier League and it takes them years to come back. You look at Leeds and how long that took. Was it, it was a good solid fifteen years or something like that? It was definitely more than ten. You look at Blackburn of I don't know what that is. It's a good few seasons at least. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 